Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We Bought a Mic here with your holiday movie watch guide. Welcome. My name's Ernest. I am the little gold man himself. Uh, my name is Hunter. Hunter Oscar Mobley. Um, Oscar, I don't think would be a good middle name for you. It doesn't fit. No, it no. doesn't. I was trying to think. I you haven't seen it no, yet. Golden but I was Globe, wondering... <laughs> Hunter Golden Globe Mobley, Harvey. Well, I do. Hunter, Harvey. I am. I will say, as somebody who just got a very uh, nice for your consideration package in the mail today from a studio that I won't mention, um, I can be bought. I want yeah. you to know that, listeners. Right it now, was it was Miramax. Studios. <laughs> I can be purchased. My body. Um. <laughs> We're off to a yeah, great no. start, boys. Hunter's voting for Shakespeare in Love for Best Picture. Um, welcome, welcome back on Zoom, um, in the, in this in this pop culture podcast, this pop culture awards cast, getting buzzy, getting getting awards buzzy with our ketchup here. Buzzed. Mm-hmm. Um, getting buzzed, getting buzzy. And good bait, bad bait time. It's we are fully in Oscar bait season now. It is hot and heavy with the slew of movies that people are going to be talking about for the next five, six months. The Oscars aren't until late May guys. So oh, no, <laughs> this is going to be a marathon. <laughs> um, and some of them I'm happy to continue the conversation on. And some of them I uh, would rather they just kind of fade away into the ether. So what, what were you got in store for you today? Um, we're we're gonna get this out before the holiday, the Thanksgiving holiday, and you can return to this um, just throughout the the end of the year to to see kind of what you should expect from a lot of these uh, you know winter movie releases, what you should see, what you should skip. Um, between Hunter and I, we've seen like a dozen movies uh, that we've gotten to see early. So Drew's gonna be our our. Um, kind of our liaison our, of the people. Um, yeah, I, I decided for the sake of the pod to not watch any of these movies. So you that you I need could to be the, play... the correspondent of the common man. Yeah, yeah I could play the role of the oaf. Um, <laughs> it's just going to be really hard for me, but I, I really, I've been sticking it out to like, oh, I want to watch the, these these three hours of freaking bait movie so bad. Well, you, Drew, you... We should say, like, you haven't seen it yet, but you bought the Till action figures. You oh, were no. so in and down for this movie that you just wanted to... We had to talk you back from, like, really going all in and dressing up as Till for for Halloween this year. I didn't like... know I didn't know what it was about, and <laughs> I would like to apologize. Um, at least, in my defense, I did just have the mom, and it was just... It was very, okay. like... Yeah, like when you when you press the button on her, she says, "They all need to see." Okay, good. Yeah, because I, I was about to say, like, goddamn, like, which which action figure are we talking about here? <laughs> Not no, just just uh, just the well, mom. Drew's he only had the white ones. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, all right, so we're gonna start things off here. Like, okay, so just just a little little background here I, get, I got a google doc pulled up that has roughly like 15 movies on it i think there's probably no way that we're gonna get through uh all of these so i've kind of tiered them 
in order of, of priority of kind of like the, the biggest ones. And then like, if we have time, we can get to some of the, uh, some of the other ones later, but uh, if, if anything, it can be sort of like a quick fire, like rapid fire recommendation at the end, just, just to get them in. Um, but I want to start with one that the three of us have seen, and it's the Banshees of Inisherin, uh, which is out right now in theaters and it's a small movie. So I'm sure it'll get the, the premium video on demand treatment within the next couple of weeks. You'll be able to see it at home before the end of the year, but it's out in theaters right now. Um, and I actually have a, a review that I wrote up on the site. We bought a mic.net so you can see uh, my thoughts there. Spoilers. I love the movie. It's one of my favorites. Probably a lock for my top 10 of the year. Um, but I want to hear what you guys thought. So Banshees of Inisherin, Irish people, Colin Farrell, Martin McDonough back. What did we mm-hmm. think? Drew, this is a realm movie. Ireland. The realm is 20th century Ireland. So I were you able to were you okay? get enveloped in that world or how are you feeling? I didn't love it. Um the the realm uh aspect component of it. <laughs> Once I was able to uh pass that like the physical corporeal form, uh I really love this movie. Uh it was it was more or less almost exactly what I would expect uh combining my knowledge of martin mcdonough and the trailer um i think the trailer does a pretty effective job of 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 surmising what you're about to get because it is it it reminded the the premise almost reminded me of first cow um in how aggressively simple it is like it is it's so simple in fact that like not even a children's movie would be about this maybe an episode of a children's tv show would be about a, a guy who doesn't want to be friends with another guy no more um and then rolling from there, it that that works because Martin McDonough is at his best when he's writing very simple, uh, short characters who who don't speak much but say a lot with with the words that they do say. Um, and that's that's what the simplicity of that plot does as well. Like it, it really accomplishes a lot under the guise of something really really stupid, um, which is I think what he's usually aiming for. And I think this is probably his biggest success for me. I, I haven't seen in Bruges in a while, but I think I like this more than in Bruges. Yeah. It seems like a spiritual sequel to in Bruges. It's a reunion of uh, Colin Farrell and, and Brendan Gleeson. Um, but it seems so much more mature. And obviously how could it not be if there's a decade in between the two films, everybody that worked on it is more mature but I think that it is attempting like deeper themes and, and it's more successfully like kind of getting at something a little bit more resonant. That's not just like funny crime, crazy, dark comedy antics. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a little bit more kind of meaningful than that surface level read. But Hunter, what did you think? So I, I mean, overall, I did really enjoy this movie as well. I know I came out of it watching it. And I wasn't as high as a lot of other people in our screening specifically because I think that the first hour or so this movie is like perfect. Like if it just kept that tone throughout of just just Colin Farrell being everyone's favorite beta who just is not getting a fucking hint about a guy just not wanting to be his friend anymore. All that shit works so well. And I think that Martin McDonough kind of 
makes it a little bit more dramatic as the film goes on and tries to add a little bit more commentary of this point in time in Ireland and what's kind of happening in the surrounding areas. And that stuff just didn't really work for me as well. Um, Just didn't quite nail that tonal juggling act that you look for in a lot of these movies. But I mean, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, just their dynamic is one of my favorite one twos in any movie I've seen this year. Like, I just want to see any scene between the two of them because it's just absolutely electric. Uh, Carrie Condon is also great, even though she's kind of a little bit victimized by some of the aspects plot wise that didn't work for me as well in this movie. She's still, I mean, she owns, she's of course our, our better call saw queen. So gotta support her in anything. What is she do doing better call Saul? She's a um uh daughter of uh Mike. Mike's daughter. Oh yeah. Mike's daughter. Wow. wow. I didn't even catch that. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Um also uh Barry Kugan is in there. Um, yeah, being a little brother. <laughs> he's more than in there. He's my favorite little <laughs> rascal ever. He's always up to something. Every time he pops up on, in any movie, it's like, okay, here we fucking I go. Know. I mean, it, if he was your son, you'd beat the shit out of him too, right? Like you'd, you'd oh he would. I'd make him become the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I, I think this is a really strong cast, and and I think the way the story plays out is is really effective. I mean, without kind of giving away all the revelations in the in the movie, it goes from being this really funny, um almost like broad comedy to this insanely dark uh, just unraveling. Uh, it, it really is a movie that's kind of split in these two halves. And I thought that there was a lot of really strong connective tissue in those two halves. And, and it didn't feel like anything was unearned or that it kind of went off a, a cliff and, and, and became something that wasn't true to, to the original setup of the story. I think everything sort of, worked really well thematically and i don't know the the sadness and the humor just it it was just really well kind of melded together for me yeah and it was i don't know because i i from the jump i really couldn't stand three billboards outside ebbing missouri at this point the the general consensus on that movie has shifted a little bit more toward the negative than it was yeah. back then definitely um but it was because I could Martin McDonough was overstepping his bounds, trying to sort of uh, implant his sensibility onto pretty complicated American politics. Yeah. Um, when uh, th this is this is like his bag, like where He's they coming are coming home and uh, everything happening in the background plays into it. First of all, just the fact. So we're in. We're about a hundred years ago, I believe. We're in like 1923. Yeah, yeah. And, which is wild. And, like I did not expect that. I, for some reason, that that just was not something I was aware of going in. Yeah. Well, you don't really know for like maybe the first half hour because you know by the fits everyone's wearing, it could be. It definitely seems like 20th century, but yeah. then you know they're well, walking the through houses, like, the houses, the yeah, they're walking through what like, look like borderline ruins. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's just what it, it looks was, like over there, like right now, though. <laughs> at any given point yeah i i was uh i was reminded of that the mulaney bit about how 
people in the old days were just really bored. There wasn't anything to do. Yeah, you just drank a Guinness at the local pub. Yeah, and so, yeah, because that's really what this movie's about. It's about the banality of existing and how, like, you can just kind of make yourself go insane thinking about it. About how, like, days are just slipping by and nothing is happening on this, mm-hmm. you know, on this weird-ass little island they're on. Um, Inishirin is the name of the island, by the way. Uh, it's It's not the name of my favorite red-haired British rascal singer, <laughs> which is what I, I went to the movie thinking, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it, that, that plays all very well. And then also the fact that on the mainland, a civil war is happening. Yeah. Um, like a lot of the time thematic things like that don't work for me, but I really love that that was going on because, and it's, it's almost, they almost touch on discussing the parallel in the movie between like this, this guy who just, decided he, he you know i don't want i don't want to like you anymore because i would rather i don't know i don't want to talk to you yeah mm. i want to switch things up i want to try to possibly be significant in some way um i i think a lot was said without many words being said about how, why that fact that a lot of war can sort of be explained by that exact same metric it's just it's just men trying to be significant and like starting a bunch of shit for no reason at all other yeah. than to we, feel we got to do something yeah we got to do something before yeah. we're dead but also the idea of like these are these guys have been friends forever and to me it's almost like this fable of like every once in a while they get into a spat like there's always they're always up to something these two fucking guys but this time it's a little different this time they're taking it a little bit too far and that's what the, that's the story that we see play out and and to to tie it to the civil war it's like i think this you know ireland's a very small nation and it i think the the root of that war was protestants versus versus catholics and in a lot of cases it was brother against brother you know and and family member against family member so to have it be tied to this friendship is like these guys like they love each other they're still they're always going to love each other but they're still at odds for some just kind of nonsensical reason and it doesn't change the fact that they're that they will always care about each other um but at a certain point like there's a rift that can't be ignored and can't sometimes can't well, be fixed I, I think that like one of the things about this movie that i loved about it, it's kind of played for humor because these are like two grown ass men uh that are having this argument but i don't want to get into too much specifics of the movie itself to like get in spoiler territory but the reason why this rift happens is because brendan gleason fancies himself at least as like an an, an intellectual somebody yeah. who wants to leave a lasting mark leave a lasting impression on earth he's like all we do every day is just sit around and fucking drink beer and talk about what was in your fucking donkey shit. And like, <laughs> I want to do something else with my life. And there's kind of that element that you have uh, whenever you're growing up around like the age of like uh, 11, 12, 13, where you start not just being friends with kids who are like three doors down from you. And you actually can like, make friends based on your own interests yeah and you kind of see that point where you're just like you bore me i'm not interested in hanging yeah. out with I'm you done. we don't have anything in common <laughs> but that's the thing is like you make that realization whenever you're a child not when you're like in your late 30s <laughs> and that's one of the things that's like really great about this movie and one of the things that like makes it uh 
work so effectively this screenplay is whenever it's very childish in like right. the the most natural way possible yeah yeah because it is a natural instinct is uh i think especially a, a dudely thing like this is this is the two dudes that are inside all of us that's exactly you know? what i was gonna say yeah. yeah one 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 of us wants to just just kick it you know and just shoot the shit every day and then the other one's like i was meant for something more you know and, it's always, uh, and the answer is struggle yeah, and because the answer really lies somewhere between the two. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, obviously, it makes a lot of sense for a uh, auteurist filmmaker to uh, explore that topic because those are typically the dudes who chose one side pretty firmly, right? Um, and and that struggle with that choice in their lives and with their families, I'm sure. Yeah, that's, you know? exactly. Mm-hmm. Like they, yeah. If you are if you are an auteurist filmmaker who is like that hands on with your works, like. You picked, man. You picked Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Um, and it can work out, but also like you know, you could uh, you could start going a little crazy there. Yeah. You might Brendan. lose. You might lose a finger or two in the process. Um. Yeah, and and the the movie like it makes you it makes you really sit and think for a while because it's just like, you know, these two guys they take things so far and things get so out of hand, um, literally, and you. Just think that, like, if only Colin Farrell's character would have just shut the fuck up for a second, (laughs) you know, and not had to, like, say random bullshit all the time and and respected his friend's desire for silence. And if to be honest, Guy and I have gotten close to this level before with each other when I just won't (laughs) stop. But if only We've Brendan Gleeson, if only Brendan Gleeson would have just been like, you know what, like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put up with this guy's shit. I'm just gonna sit here and I'm gonna tune him out. I'm just gonna disassociate while he blathers on, and everything's gonna be okay. That sounds great. <laughs> sounds very healthy. What else are you gonna do? You know, are you gonna be like? The sister. Yeah, they aren't exactly bail. like they aren't exactly like uh, therapists in 1920s right. Ireland right, right now. So he's just well, yeah because I mean well the, the therapist is the priest actually like the priest who's just <laughs> listening to everyone's the the island gossip and just like what do you want to so repent funny. for is <laughs> is it a crime to not be friends with the man anymore? <laughs> it's it's a great movie. It's it's fun. It's sad. It. At times, the pacing uh, started rubbing me a little bit, um, but nothing, nothing severe. Um, I think, yeah, there are two distinct halves to the movie that are, it's it's bisected by an event uh, that that then like escalates from there. Yeah. Uh, that Brendan Gleeson does, and uh, right right as I was sort of starting to to grow tired of what was happening in the first half, the second half begins. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, so overall, I was pretty happy with the way things went. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan. It's a big recommend for me. Um, just a lot of ideas to chew on and great fucking performances. I hope this movie mm-hmm. get, gets recognized uh, come award season. I think so Colin I did... Farrell is just, please, please give this man some love. He's phenomenal in this movie. So I the wanted eyebrows. to kind of, oh man, <laughs> king of king of the brows. Um, I wanted to kind of organize this as like, so what do you think are this awards movies chances i think screenplay you know, screenplay i think 
I don't know if you guys have looked at best original screenplay this year. It is such an insanely loaded category between everything, everywhere, all at once. The Fablemans, which we're going to get into that. Banshees, Mashirin, Tar, Babylon, Triangle of Sadness, After Sun, Decision to Leave, Nope. Like there's, it's a great screenplay year. And I think that, I think it's going to be a lock for a nomination there. Um, and then Colin I think Farrell. best picture, best picture. Best I think picture, that it's, I hope so. Yeah. I hope it's it going to get booted out. Best Picture has to be 10 nominees this year. So I think it has a good shot there. Oh my God. Um, it's, it's number three for Best Picture on Gold Derby right now. Holy wow. crap. What's, I what don't are, what's think, ahead? Fablemans? I don't think that's going to... Fablemans and everything everywhere. Yeah. It's kind of early to look at the odds right now, but like I feel like, you know, Top Gun Maverick is still in the mix. Tar, uh, Babylon, nobody has seen. Avatar, nobody has seen. So... Who knows really with that? I do think that Colin Farrell actually now has a legitimate chance at winning best actor because yes. um, we have not seen the whale yet, but the whale has not gotten good buzz at all. Um, a lot of people are just really, really not into that movie. Yeah. So I, I could still see, you know, lots of people have won guy, best Brendan, actor for mids movies though. Yeah. I could see our guy, Brendan Fraser still getting the love and still getting a win, but his odds I'd say have definitely declined in the last couple of weeks since some people have seen the whale and people have seen banshees. Um, um yeah. Mad respect to Colin, mad respect to his eyebrows. Um, incredible. They, they do some shit that ain't nobody doing in this business right now. He looks so forlorn. Do we think Brendan Gleeson? Do we think that. Brendan Gleeson could uh could get yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, if if it's not supporting super actor is supporting actor is pretty wide open. There's like Kiyu Kwan, um, who I think is considered the favorite right now. But dude, he's gonna um, clean up. I mean, that Kiyu might be Kwan. the one thing that that movie just has a lock. I I I mean, I'd love to see it for Kiyu Kwan. Love that guy. Um, Paul Dano for Fablemans. Judd Hirsch. You know. Maybe it is. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on it, it as, as, as it gets closer. It's so Brendan Gleason is so interesting because he, uh, he strikes me as someone who would be a lot younger than he looks. Um, you know what I mean? Like, he, I know he looks old as shit, but you know, you would find out he's like 48 and you'd be like, Oh Jesus. Um, <laughs> no, but he, he's 67 years old. Yeah. 67 uh, yeah. and, and he's he still do... out there he busts a kickflip in yeah. 1920s ireland he invents tony hawk pro skater he's just Amazing. he's just popping late in life yeah. and it's very cool to see you know host like brendan gleason hosting snl is a very funny thing at age 67 um when yeah, his son hasn't even that. i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure dom Nall hasn't even fucking hosted um, um i didn't even realize that was the son yeah are they Really? Yeah, um, oh, what shit. would Dom Nall have hosted for? I can't think of anything. It's not like he was going to host for being like um, seventh lead in a Star Wars movie. About like, time. I don't. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The thing is, well, the thing is, there is an asterisk about hosting SNL in you know the year of our Lord twenty twenty two because there have been a lot of rumblings that like so a lot of the classic go to hosts do not trust this writing staff and cast to like make them look good. Oh. Um, yeah. So it would be like a, a dent in there. In well, you never, you never want to be the funniest person uh, the week that you're involved <laughs> with SNL. And unfortunately, that has been the case with Yikes. almost every comedian who's taken over SNL this year. Yikes. Dark time. All right. Well, that's the Banshees of Inna, Sharon. Uh It's in theaters right now. Coming very, very soon. 
to video on demand. I think it's a it's a big old recommend from the three of us. Uh, Drew, I wanted to give you the spotlight here for a second, since this is going to be a very Hunter and me uh, heavy episode. I want you to to talk a, a little bit about weird the Al Yankovic story. Because uh, I <laughs> what saw are, that you had what what is this looking like in the awards? Yeah, the what awards is, what's the Daniel Radcliffe uh, Oscar run looking like? Um, no, it's it's not. I was seeing a lot of screenplay buzz. Um, they yeah, they thought it was really crazy, but then they found out that like those songs already existed because <laughs> they're oh, like, what the heck? Oh, you no. you made a song, but about food? That's crazy. <laughs> um. So yeah, I I like to support uh parody in all forms. It's you know it it's not in its best, uh it's not in its its halcyon days at this point. The the art of parody, the art of film parody in particular. Um, that said, I didn't go into weird the Al Yankovic story with the highest expectations. Um, it is a uh Roku original. Yeah, it's <laughs> you can only watch it with ads in the Roku yeah. app. Only yeah. Only, you cannot you cannot skip those ads. You cannot pay. <laughs> and it's really $3.99. And they bust your balls so hard because they give you like a good clean 30 minutes with no ads. So you're like hypnotized. And then they start and it's every like five fucking minutes. You're like, oh. you pieces of shit. Um, oh my God. What are we doing? What are we doing? Roku, you don't need to make original content. <laughs> I was, I mean, I'm, you know, I guess I think this movie would have gotten made regardless um because it has a lot of like the classic players uh you know behind yeah. it like scott the, ackerman is yeah is is you know cbbcu yeah exactly cbb so that means it has ucb behind it you know which is just like a treasure trove of comedians and producers um it's also it, it also has funny or die behind it um to the point that you they get like a little you know production uh stamp before the movie starts which is really wow. funny to see it's like what fucking year is it um but that is because the guy who directed this and wrote it eric apple um in 2010 he made a fake weird the al yankovic story trailer on funny or die like he, um. he made a yeah he made a fake trailer for a fake biopic that you know starring weird al just as like a funny little sketch idea um, and for some reason, you know, it is now 12 years later and they have gone and made it. <laughs> Someone was scraping the bottom of the barrel there. I wonder yeah, if this is like a residual like, from is, Quibi. Like, because all the Quibi stuff got ported over to Roku. What if Quibi was like, we're going to make it's weird. A Quibi CISO joint project um, <laughs> to make the weird. It, this feels more CISO than anything. <laughs> That's a good call. It's just um, Weird Al as IP. That's what we yeah. need. That's what we need. And it's going to be a Roku original. Yeah, you know the thing that organizes your app and the homepage that weirdly shows like a side, a sliding view of like a city landscape? Yeah, it's an original made by those guys. So What an insane thing that's the, happening. The, I mean, the biggest concern, though, that I had going into this movie, because I'll watch any dumb parody, like that could be great. Absolutely. Um, the biggest concern I had was the correct concern I have, which is that they we have already seen Walk Hard. Um, uh, yeah, which, which is, a, you know, a very a parody good, to end all parodies, a very good, like well-made. Yeah. Parody that was ahead of its time of musical biopics. So it is a great twist on it that this is the story of an actual guy that is turned into a stupid tropey parody movie. But the the fact that it's 
Weird Al is almost not super important to the story because of that if that makes sense because yeah. everything mm-hmm. is so silly and heightened and like the plot of it doesn't follow you know what actually happened to him that's the joke but it also is what makes the the, the weird outness of it all a little disposable um and it is so there's a lot of fun to be had in the movie i think the first hour is definitely pretty solid like you get your good gags you get one zillion cameos like the exact way you would think uh considering because my benchmark going into this was between two friends the movie um mm. because yeah scott ackerman made that right. movie and it was another like ucb style like clearly like you know anytime this the script was kicked around in a writer's room nobody said no to anything they just put yeah. in whatever joke pack, like, this it, movie pack ha- in the jokes yeah and this movie definitely has that feel like just it it's it's wall to wall with jokes um they're they're not all great uh the movie itself i guess is it it just feels disposable um I, I wonder if I'm biased inherently because of the Roku because <laughs> you have to watch on a Roku, but it does. It feels, it feels like a bubble movie. It feels like, it feels like a sign of the times, you know, right. it feels like, you know, the movie that breaks the camel's back and all Hollywood comes crumbling down. Yeah. Um, that's Do we think not bad. that it's going to get like a criterion 4k release sure. in the coming months or with ads. With ads. <laughs> <laughs> and they will mail it to your house. I, You're not allowed to pay for it. Sure, I want to ask because I've watched things on Roku before, and it's just the same three ads that play over and over again. Was there diversity in the ads, or was it just the same ads repeatedly? Did I you watch like the same, same car commercial over and over again? I think it was the same again? shit. Um, <laughs> that rock. That, it's yeah, like that's the style of just watching yeah. the same three things over and over again. Listen. It's it's a funny enough movie, and if you want to watch a funny enough movie, you should watch it. Um, it could be a little shorter. Uh, it, you know, you get to see all your your favorite funny people show up for like a, a you know shoot for a single day. Particularly, there's a pool party scene where anyone like us who just like likes you know comedy people, you're getting your your dope yeah. moments of like ooh Paul F. Tompkins ooh 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 you know which my Tacone. It's Avengers Endgame for like comedy bang bang guests. Yeah. Um, it's it's Avengers Endgame for beta male manipulators. <laughs> um, I was gonna ask Drew because you know Roku original that's never gonna happen again. But I think that the 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 groundwork has now been laid for Pluto to get into the original TV landscape here. Oh my! So God. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to like brainstorm a pitch for what the first Pluto original film is gonna be because I feel like I. It's it's unfortunate that Weird got taken because that is a perfect Pluto IP. Okay, project. it's it is, um, it's it's much like Weird. You know, it's like it is a biopic, like a, a gritty biopic of Bri- a Brian Sella. of a, <laughs> of a personality that we all know and love, especially if you're on Pluto TV. Um, it's the John Taffer story. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's with with cameos from um jerry lewis yeah um, <laughs> and he well and he Jeff has to Probst. be played by john taffer would only green light like like chris evans to play him you know because because he he i think he genuinely probably thinks that he's hot as fuck i was thinking of jerry springer yeah that's what jerry i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna say i think that jerry springer actually a jerry springer show would work really well on, jerry springer yeah. had a movie in the 90s did you guys know that about his life like, like a, a memoir, like a, fiction? a fiction, not a biopic, but there was a movie like just like a 
how Howard Stern did. Jerry Springer had one. Um, I knew about Howard Stern having his own little, ringmaster. That uh, Google lists Jerry Springer as the former mayor of Cincinnati. <laughs> like that's like his main thing. <laughs> Most well known for. Yeah. And when is he going to get back into politics? It's a great not time. A host of baggage, Jerry Springer. Um, okay. Yeah, he stars as a fictional version of himself named Jerry Farrelly, host of a show similar to his own show called Jerry. Jerry. Um, <laughs> So yeah, Jerry this movie Bear. is it's definitely watchable. It's if you want to watch a fun comedy, watch it. Um it you know, it's also kind of stupid and sure. Weird Al. And that's okay. I, I don't have an incredible connection to Weird Al because he genuinely is just he just someone who kept on plugging away at like a very simple idea over yeah. the years and it's very impressive what he's accomplished. His niche. But making it's it's one of those things where it's just like, wow, no one had really done that, huh? Before before this guy no one had thought that you oh what if i took these words in this song and i just made it about like food <laughs> so you guys you guys weren't weird al kids well that that one album that white and nerdy is on i yeah, mean straight out that, of linwood that, that I, was a big comeback for him i got so sucked into that album man like that was like that was like a a bad uh addiction that i had to that album it was like i i was hooked on that shit man I'm off I'm gonna, this stuff now. This this I'm might make me guys, relapse. I can't yeah, watch might, this movie. Maybe you can't watch this thing. Um, I I have to tell you guys something. It's something I don't know if I've ever told this to you on or off mic. Uh, but I loved Weird Al whenever I was in like elementary school. Like I think that I had a CD or two of his from LimeWire that like I burned. It was just like a parody disc of like mostly Weird Al songs, but also just other parody artists. And for my fifth grade talent show, I did a performance of what I bought on eBay to mm. like I want it that way. And That's... I had a pet rock. I had like oh my all God. the did things you... from the song I bought on eBay. Did That's you so do true. the Yeah, the it was the, probably the coolest, the sexiest I've ever been in my life. I peaked at 10. Did what? you do the, the boy band dance moves? Yeah, of course. Of course. It was like just me up there. Oh, amazing. Is there a <laughs> clip of that? Can we show that? I maybe we'll have to put it up on the social somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I'll find it. I'll do some digging. All right. Well, that's weird colon the Al Yankovic story. Or is it just weird the Al Yankovic story? No colon. It's no, very it's not important. like fucking like no, it's not like foster the people. <laughs> <laughs> weird, so, yes. comma, semicolon. Dash, what are we doing? Yeah, weird M dash, the Al yeah. Yankovic story. Um, it's out now exclusively <clears throat> in the Roku app for free with ads. It's a it's a soft recommend from Drew, um, with some caveats if you know what yeah, you're getting into. Yeah, it's it's what it looks like. All right, so I'm gonna hit you all with. Probably the antithesis of Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which is the new Luca Guadagnino film, Bones and All, starring you Timothy Chalamet. Out. I don't know if that's true. You came out of this and you said this movie is weird, which oh, means okay. that it's definitely <laughs> not the antithesis of that. It would actually make it a, a sure. synonym, really. Sure. So uh, we actually did shout this out on uh, the episode that Joey guested on because he saw it out of New York Film Festival. Yeah. Um, but this movie is now out in theaters. Um, so I got a chance to see it. And this is going to be another recommend with caveats. Um, Because as we mentioned in that episode, 
I needed to be convinced about this movie because it is a cannibal romance, cannibal romance, uh, which is uh, is already like that's going to turn off like 85% of moviegoers. Um, but that being said, uh, I love Luca Guadagnino. Um, I want to go back and watch his all his other stuff, but the Suspira remake and Call Me By Your Name are both really, really awesome movies. And I think this might be better than both of those movies. Woo! Yeah. Um, because I did revisit the Suspiria remake recently, which is amazing. I fucking love that movie. Mm-hmm. Hasn't dropped at all in my uh estimation. But there's something about bones and all that to me feels like something I've never seen before. Um wow. it, it, friend of the pod Adam, and, and I think Joe was comparing it to like a Terrence Malick movie. I'm not a big Malick head, so that's not like a frame of reference for me. So maybe if I did, if I have seen like Days of Heaven and shit, then I could be like, okay, so it's like that. But because I haven't, this just seemed like something really, really unique. Um, And the cannibal piece is not really as gross as I was worried it would be. I mean, there is plenty of, of, of gore and just intense kind of violent scenes in the movie. But it's never gratuitous because what this movie is doing is it's using cannibalism as sort of this symbol, as this metaphor for sexual desire, for addiction, for obsession. Um, It's kind of it's kind of this prism to explore other themes and subjects and ideas. And the way it does it is very, very interesting. And super unique and fascinating and there's just something about like the texture of the movie it's juxtaposing these incredibly like gory violent uh images with this very melodic acoustic score by trent Reznor and atticus ross just another fucking banger from these guys when i was sitting in the theater i was like who is doing this fucking score and then i sit there in the credits and then it comes up and i just like put my hands up and start cheering because i'm like yes yes these fucking guys just did it again man (laughs) i i was just so so like kind of floored by this movie i mean again it has that big fucking asterisk of the whole cannibal thing um which is going to be a huge huge obstacle for people to get over um but I loved it. I loved it, guys. It's it's a big recommend for me. It's bones and all. I also I don't know. Is it is it that off putting of a thing for for most of the type of people that would see this in the first place? Because if if it's if this is a movie that's for like filmy people, I feel like generally they'd have a more open sure. mind. I don't think we're trying to like sure. uh, bust blocks with this one. Yeah, right? but it's, well, it's how not gory being... is it? Like, it has... is it? It has some some gory stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's like there's like shots of them like chomping into fucking people, you know? So, so that's it's not gonna win like best picture then, is what you're no. saying. It's gonna like old ass white dudes in Hollywood are not going to gel with no. this movie. <laughs> no, but it it doesn't the the way the movie is is kind of edited, like shot and edited, it's never like it's never like, oh, let's like really like make you throw up with how gross this is. You know, it gives you it gives you just enough and then it cuts away, you know, or it frames it in a way where it's just like you're not really like in the guts. 
you know, you can see like just enough to get the picture. Um, it, it's a really, it Luca, man, like he's so talented. He's so, so talented. He knows exactly what to do. It's all very measured. It's all very precise. And, uh, these performances, y'all like Timmy, dude. Oh my God. He's so good in this movie. Timmy, Timmy, he is Timmy. Un-fucking-believable. One of the most unique characters he's played yet. Um, he plays this guy named Lee, and he just owns the screen, man. And for a while there, I wasn't sure about his chemistry with Taylor Russell, their their whole romance that starts to blossom. Um, I think the, the first half of the movie, you are very unsure about, like, hmm, these two, do I really see them together? But by the end, I I was sold. You know, they're acting. It just, it's kind of undeniable. By the end, you're just like, yep, that I'm I'm here. I'm I'm here for this. I'm here for these two. Um, Mark Rylance is in there. He's a creepy motherfucker in this movie. Just be <laughs> super like like you see this guy walking around the street. You're like, that's a fucking cannibal. Do not do not allow him near <laughs> your family. He will eat them. Just the creepiest motherfucker in the world. Um, uh, who else? Uh, Michael Stuhlbarg is in there for like one scene and it's like one of the best scenes in the movie. Um, how is Taylor Russell in this movie? I love I it's kind of absolutely story. loved her like a few years ago, whenever waves came out and she hasn't yeah. really done anything since then. It, she's fantastic. I mean, this is her story. We basically follow her, her journey. Um, her father is, is played by, um, uh, I believe his name is uh, oh the guy from um, from Moonlight, Andre. Uh, yeah, yes, it is Andre. Andre Holland. Holland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. So yeah. he pops up in the beginning as the dad. Uh, he's only in it for a little bit, but his presence is is throughout the rest of the movie because essentially, like, he gives up on her. He's like, I I can't help you anymore. You're on your own. I I did everything I could. You're you're sick. You're not normal <laughs> and i can't deal with this i can't keep like helping you as you uh become this 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 cannibal and the movie <laughs> the movie never uses the word cannibal you you never hear the word cannibal you never hear the word the word cannibalism um and i think that's a very deliberate choice and it lends to this uh thing that i was saying earlier about like how it's like this prism for symbolizing other things you know like sexual awakening and even like this idea of feeling like you don't belong and wanting to find people like you that are that 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 you can connect to um so it it it, it can be like this analog for homosexuality um so it's it's trying to 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 do kind of a lot with this idea. It's trying to frame it and reframe it in a lot of different ways. And I just found it really, really interesting and really fascinating. And I highly recommend it. I can't, I can't wait for you guys to get around to it. And, and let me, yeah, know I buy in. I'm in on that one. I'm, I'm really excited, especially hearing that it's more, cause I mean, I don't, I was not, I was definitely the lowest on call me by your name out of the three of us. Uh, just cause yeah, I thought that maybe. I thought that movie looked beautiful. Um, and I thought uh, our boy Timmy was amazing in it. I wasn't as sold on Army Hammer. 
and his role and turns out like good job by me yeah um, i was like i feel like he just wants to take a fucking bite out of timmy and have yeah. you seen that he's under them um i'm yeah, really excited well. for this you taught him well yeah you know really really excited it's uh it's bones and all it's out right now in theaters uh and i'm sure it'll go to to streaming um within the next month and a half i'm confident of it it's a small it's a small little movie you know it's not gonna mm-hmm. play for weeks and weeks so uh check it out um hunter why don't you pick something out of this list or do you want me to pick for you no so i'll uh i'll go ahead because whenever you were going to bones and all i was supposed to go see bones and all with you and then a hurricane came through central florida and moved a bunch of things around in the schedule and i already lined up seeing a different movie and couldn't make it to bones and all but instead what i saw is going to be a movie that is a uh, hashtag running this year and that mm. is she said the uh, Maria Schrader film that is uh, goes into the New York Times expose that really kind of takes down Harvey Weinstein and exposed all of the sexual assault allegations and harassment and toxic workplace and really goes in. It's primarily focused on Harvey Weinstein, although it does kind of focus on Hollywood and really mass workplaces as a whole as kind of a central hub for this type of behavior. Um, And overall, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I can't fully, I'm interested to know what other people think of this movie. It kind of flopped at the box office, Uh, picked not a great time in the release schedule to come out. Honestly, it should have waited a week or two, but I'm kind of a sucker for a good reporting movie. Like I love, movies like spotlight or not the post because i think that the post is a hot fucking mess of a movie um but like a well done reporting movie that actually does kind of nail the process of knocking on doors and keep getting close to the to writing that big story and then the rug gets pulled out from under you and scrambling around i love shit like that so for that reason she said really worked for me um and that's primarily because of the two performance performers, Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan, both of them are excellent and should be considered in contention for uh, best actress and best supporting. I don't know who's going to run in which. Um, I could see them trying to put Carrie in lead and Zoe Kazan in um, supporting, even though they're kind of co-leads in the film. Just since Carrie Mulligan's already previously been nominated, give her a little bit of that push. But yeah, I mean, this is a movie that's subject matter. A lot of people just might not want to be into. Uh, Not as drastic as something like Bones and All, where it's a straight up cannibal film, but it's a tough thing to watch. Um, There was uh, a family. Well, I was saying in the screening, it was a public screening. And there was like a family that wandered in uh, a mom, a dad, and then like a little boy, probably like, I don't know, like six, seven years old who wandered in like an hour and a half into the movie. Oh, no. (laughs) They wandered in and they could see them like trying to shuffle around, find three seats next to each other. Definitely just wander into the wrong theater and nobody caught them. And they were probably just bored watching uh, Wakanda forever. They just were like, I was walking something up. But the scene they walked into, like, this is uh, too woke. It was (laughs) uh, another movie. 
And then they walk in and it's a scene in which they have uh, the guy who plays Harvey Weinstein on like a conference call being like, they're fucking liars. I'll kill them. I will kill them. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> really good. Funny because um, I would, I would uh, like instinctually, I would say that that the movie must lack subtlety to depict him that way. But that is actually exactly the way that he acts and always oh. has acted. Yeah, no, that's the thing. And I will say, um, the guy who actually plays uh let me get him pulled up here. So Mike he's Houston. in the he's um, in the movie. So he you only ever see like the back of his head and his voice. And oh. it's really tastefully done because whenever I saw that actually there's a guy playing Harvey Weinstein in the movie, I did kind of recoil a little bit. Like, yeah. I don't want to like even see just like a any kind of dramatized version of this person well, they, who's just like decided, one of the most despicable rotten people in hollywood history they they went with like the, the tasteful route that um for example michael bay went with when he depicted george w bush in transformers one uh, of course <laughs> yeah. yeah honestly handled with the he, same delicate hand he like asked for donuts or something he's like yeah go, hey give me some more doritos yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. Optimus it's Prime. actually done exactly the same way, except it's uh, the Harvey's asking for something else aside from Doritos. Um, <laughs> Oof. <laughs> I think that's because uh, I, I am curious to see what this is going to get, especially because it seemed to not land flat with audiences, but not Dude, it wasn't received with the same me? uproar that nobody well, no, saw I mean, this movie. I mean, people who saw it, people who saw it oh, seem to like it. Li- okay. It's just people didn't see it. it um it premiered at like number five or six at the box office yeah it's not great when it has a the budget menu of, the menu was number two it had a 32 million dollar budget it made three mil it got and that is by the, the menu yeah yeah by the menu get out uh, for line cooks right <laughs> wow i will but i am i would still say that despite maybe audiences not being drawn to as much i think that this is going to be a heavy contender for best ensemble because even outside of the two leads the ensemble is incredible patricia clarkson uh lover she's great who is ashley judd actually plays herself since she was one of the first people to actually come out in the new york times expose talking about how harvey objectified her and um everything that he did to her whenever they were on it. It's funny. Um, they like kind of name some actresses and don't name some others where it's like very clear who they're hinting at, but they don't quite have the rights to necessarily show this person um, on the like, screen. like Molly's game, like with the, the poker game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, although Gwyneth Player Paltrow X. plays Gwyneth Paltrow plays a key piece in this film and Gwyneth Paltrow was not in the movie itself. But uh, every time Harvey calls in, she just like, who told you that? Did Gwyneth tell you that? Where is Gwyneth? I'm going to Gwyneth's house right now to find out. Where is Gwyneth? <laughs> like, not in this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, is it a movie I'm going to revisit? Like frequently? No, it's yeah. not as good as Spotlight. And I think it's kind of unfortunate that it has a little bit of this, like it has the reporting. Um, it's the closest the, comparison. All the point. president's men spotlight. It can't the post like yeah. it gets just labeled as a reporting movie, a reporting movie, a media movie. But I do think that if you enjoy that kind of film, then you will like this because it is really well done. 
It's just, yeah. you know, it's not a movie for all people. Well, we we all know that uh, the post is the gold standard for important papers in film. So, how important Man, are the papers in this? Film? Isn't it crazy that they made that the post is literally about like the second most important news source for that story? Oh yeah, the <laughs> didn't Washington even, Post. Like, yeah. they, they went after the Washington Post tonight. Whenever they could have just gone for the New York Times. Hey, like democracy dies in darkness. I, uh, I have man. the FYC page Woof. pulled up here um, for She Said. So Zoe Kazan is being run in Best Actress and Carrie Mulligan in Best Supporting Actress. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's more accurate to how it is displayed in the movie. I just didn't know since Carrie Mulligan has kind of that, you know, she's been nominated the past Zoe Kazan. Supporting Actress is a little bit weaker than Lead this year. Lead yeah, is that's why they're, they're looking put pretty her in there. fucking stacked. Yeah. Um, they think she has Zoe Kazan shot. is incredible. Um, she I hadn't really seen her in too many things, to be honest. Yeah, she's in she's in um, Buster Scruggs. Yeah, Buster Scruggs, um, Big Sick, of course. Yeah, um, she plays uh Kumail's wife in, in Big Sick. Yeah, Comatose wife. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise, I hadn't really seen her in much of anything. Wasn't she in a yeah, she was in the deuce, wasn't she? Is that what it was? I think Ernie, so. you're the, you're the the deuce, the deuce head. head. Um, yeah, you're sure, the deuce head. If um, anyone knows, you should know. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was fucking the deuce. Earth knows. Yeah, I'm the <laughs> only person that saw the deuce. Hey, it's um, great. the deuce is great. It's a good movie. I do yeah, like I it. I remember um, her. She she's blonde in the deuce. I'm, That's why I didn't ring a bell. I kind of I I think I'm gonna like she said more now before it goes through the ringer of getting like eight nominations on Oscar night. And then everybody has to like be like, well, is it one of the best films of the year? Cause it's not, but it's a good movie. And like, it's, I could still see it just kind of lingering around the conversation. If it's like, she said, when's best picture over like a lot more deserving movies, then it's, that's going to be unfortunate. So I hope that it just exists on its own to the side Give it a couple noms. Give it some love. But, you know. All right. Well, that's she. She said it's out good, in good theaters. Uh, it's barely out in theaters. Uh, that so, shit uh, is leaving theaters quickly. So yeah. if you want to see it, see it soon. It's, it's fire gonna, sale. <laughs> flash sale. Black Friday. She said uh, it's going to go to Pivot, uh very, very soon. So if you're interested in... Um, everything that hunter just described about it i'd say check it out uh let's basically if you're interested in hunter's opinions sure sure which you know um all right so let's jump over to a movie that i briefly mentioned in that um uh, fall festival or fall preview that we did a couple weeks ago with joey which is till um we shouted out a, a little bit earlier here the story of emmett till um, I'll, I'll be brief here just because we've kind of already, uh, alluded to it in a couple of different places, but, um, Daniel Deadweiler is kind of the big sort of, uh, spotlight moment of this movie. Yeah. She, watching the, the trailer is the Oscar reel, <laughs> right? Exactly. She is, she plays the mother it's of a- Emmett Till that has to deal with like the lynching of her son. Um, and going into this movie, I was very unsure 
about how it was going to sort of handle this idea of yeah you're thinking is this going to be just like another a monologue movie that like almost almost doesn't even respect the issue at hand because it's yeah. put through the ringer that all these other movies are put through and it's so similar right the whole oscar bait of it all you know like let's let's tell a story about a real life incredibly dark historical moment and put a awardsy uh you know buzzy performance at the center of it that's gonna you know kind of be this magnetic draw of attention for the movie and then it's going to be nothing other than that i'm i'm happy to say that this this movie almost gets over that hurdle um i'd say for the most part it does there's a, a couple places where i did feel like it struggled to get over that but she is so damn good Daniel Deadweiler is it just so she's just so freaking good in this part that you can't write it off completely as just bad bait. You know, it's not I wouldn't put it in that bu- bucket of just bad Oscar bait. Um, I think it's worth seeing if you are not familiar with the story of Emmett Till. I think it is a very, very good retelling of the the pain and the trauma of that story just because it is through her eyes and and through this it, it, the the movie is kind of split into um everything leading up to the the murder of Emmett Till and then everything after um just kind of the fallout of it um and there were some really really good moments i mean there there were moments that got me like really choked up and emotional uh it, you know g- especially going into it knowing the story and like kind of knowing what happens yeah. there's this anxiety and the movie knows that i mean it doesn't fully play its card but it it sort of like digs into that in the opening stretch where it's just like okay we know what we're what we're doing here we know what we're getting into and we're going to acknowledge it in in these very subtle ways um you know i i <sighs> I'd love to hear like some perspectives from other people, especially black people that can speak to this idea of like black trauma on screen. But that's sort of like the biggest question mark of this movie is like, how necessary is it to make a commercial Hollywood product about such a insanely dark and traumatic story about, a black boy being lynched. Um, and I'm not sure if like, this is the the movie that's going to solve the issue of Hollywood time and time again, like returning to this well of, you know, putting black actors and actresses just in this type of movie. And this is like the only opportunity that they get is to like relive these historical, insanely painful, dramatic stories um i i don't i don't think this is like particularly in the right direction in that in that kind of field but i do think that it is a story worth telling and i do think that it is told in a good way um and i don't think it is a betrayal of what these real life people must have been through. I think it's yeah, that's that's the biggest that's the biggest hurdle to clear, I think. And then aside from that, I mean you're saying it it more or less worked for you because the second biggest hurdle in my mind is do I 
feel condescended to just as an audience member right. um who you know is, do you feel you know, like you're any, reading a history book like right. it's just well, like or does it, even, you know am i being manipulated too blatantly because the goal of any movie that's going to make you feel is to make you feel that's yeah. not inherently a bad thing but are do i feel you know do i feel like they are uh not pulling punches when they should I guess. Right. I think that it's, I mean, he didn't write about it for this movie in particular, but I think you're touching on something that Wesley Morris has written about before in the New York times about the way that we depict black trauma in films. And really, I mean, there's no good way to do it because like what? So fucking Steven Spielberg is allowed to make a story about his life and we're not allowed to see it. A story about the life of Emmett Till. Like there isn't necessarily a right way to, a right or a wrong answer here. It's just about like, you can't just only have movies like till that are just constantly going to be there to kind of stick your nose in it for lack of a better term. Like that movie exists and it's important that it's exists. And it's important that people know the story of Emmett till, but also (laughs) we should take these great actors. Like, I mean, from all accounts, I've heard that, uh, um, what is the name of uh, who plays uh, Emmett Till's mother? The Daniel Dead- Deadweiler. Daniel Deadweiler. From all accounts, I've heard that she's like a revelation and like she's yeah, just going to be a force Phenomenal. in other movies. And that's that's incredible. Like if that's one of the things that comes out of this movie is that then she can go on and make her own version of whatever the next big movie is, then that's, that's yeah. awesome. There's a it's, real weight to it. And it's also, I don't know. Uh, I th- I think that the reason this is going to live on is because the depths of uh, extremely racist events in American history, it goes deeper than like even, you know, what what we know, unless like right. you read up. It, it, mm. It's so, so wild. Like I was just the other day I was I was researching if your if your city or area has a street called division, look up why. <laughs> right. <Yep>. Something something <laughs> happened there. It's it's what you think and it's bad. Yeah. If if a highway if there's a highway in your city that seems to very <laughs> suspiciously divide ethnicities, yep. up and down. Look it up. Um, yeah. um are you that's just shouting out that Eatonville so many... in the greater Orlando area? Yeah. Literally five minutes around the corner from my house. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um it's it's really, really wild. Yeah, I I was reading up a bunch of random uh local Orlando history, but yeah, it did get me thinking about that. About the, like the micro events that you that are mm. extremely significant and yet very intentionally not yeah. taught when teaching local history, right? Because local history isn't taught generally very much, and they don't want to touch on the bad stuff. Oh hell no! Especially here in Florida, dude. They're gonna try to make it illegal to even mention it, to even yeah. just bring it up in passing that there was ever anything bad done to people. <laughs> So I think that this is a, and I don't know if you have any other thoughts on Till Ernest, but this is a great transition to one of the next movies I want to talk about. Um, Armageddon time, which is Armageddon time. Yeah. Um, I so, just did want to say real quick that that Till is now on premium video on demand, so it's still nice. playing in a couple theaters, but you can now just rent it. So I'd say check it out. Um, it's worth seeing. I don't know if it's gonna be you know one of the best of the year. But Daniel Deadweiler certainly it will be in the conversation. Um, Armageddon time. Let's get into it. What did you think? Um, Don't want to so, close my eyes. Yeah, is that the it's right? It's crazy. Bruce that's Willis? the that's the only thing 
that plays like that is the score is it's just that song um so armageddon time the new james gray film miss a thing sorry go ahead it's that Um, that plays and then like the asmr audio of ben affleck uh fucking live tyler it's really good. We love to see it. Steven watched the whole time. Yeah. Um, anyway, you, you saw a movie hunter or something? Yeah, so I saw a movie. Um, so the new James Gray film, Armageddon Time. I can't remember. Uh, when we watched Ad Astra a couple years ago, whenever that came out, were you guys high on Ad Astra? Did y'all drink the I, th- the, I think the you Brad were I, you were marginally higher than me, I would say. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I thought it was good. I thought I thought it was good. Maybe, maybe great. Okay. On the edge of good to great. Good to great. I, I'm interested to know what you would think about Armageddon time because I James Gray is like slowly becoming like one of my guys that I just I fucking love this guy. I love everything that he does. Love Lost City of Z. Um really loved Ad Astra. And Armageddon Time is just another movie that really, really affected me. And talking about kind of what you were just mentioning with Till about movies that are kind of about the margins a little bit. I think that Armageddon time at its best really, really finds the perfect lines of those margins. It is another entry in the uh, middle-aged to older white guy making a story about his life growing up, uh, which we're getting a lot of those this year, guys. Um, so brave. I know, Incredible. so brave. But I think one of the things that sets this movie apart is that it is so specific in the time that it's trying to capture and the story that it's trying to tell. Um, this is a story about very, very uh, prominently based on James Gray's life. Uh, it's starting, starring Banks Repetta as a, a young boy named Paul, a young little Jewish American boy growing up in, a, in I think it's Queens, um, somewhere in New York. Uh, growing up in New York, kind of in the uh, 1980. And it when I mean whenever I say that it focuses that it's very specific and living on the margins is this boy Paul starts out in a public school where he's kind of like a goofball, makes friends with the only black kid in his class, becomes like a very close friend of his. And while he's just in this like public school, he's like, oh no, don't worry about it. My family is like totally loaded. Like we have this racist ass teacher who hates you, but like I'll steal some money from my mom's purse and like I'll get it so like I can take you on this field trip with me and like we can hang out and just be like boys. And James Gray is such a good guy, is what something happens. No, no, no. Well, not not exactly. No, not not exactly. Good. Based yeah, on the I better not just be a here. bunch of that. <laughs> no, well, it's a lot of it is kind of just uh, how much easier it is to not act whenever you see hate around you, especially if you are a person who experiences hate. Uh, James Gray is a Jewish American man, and there's a lot of anti-Semitism in New York around this time, and just everywhere around this time in 1980, and fucking all the time. Um, so I've never heard I, of it. What are you talking about? I, what? <laughs> Kyrie Irving? What? Um, <laughs> so they uh, are, they kind of, uh, he's fucking around. A, a vent or two happens that his parents decide, like, we have to pull you out of this public school and put you in a private school. And suddenly he goes from being this, like, rich kid, the richest kid 
at the poor school to being the most impoverished kid at this rich private affluent school where it's like you are on a fast pass to get to harvard if you go to this school and suddenly he is becoming more of the marginalized party that he saw his friend being in the first part in the first school that he was at and a lot of this movie is just kind of about how easy it is to just say nothing and to just if you see that hate is happening around you it's so much easier to just ignore it because if hate's happening to someone else that means it's not happening to you most of the times um I think that one of the things that really hammers that home is the supporting cast of this movie. Anthony Hopkins, man, I just, he's just one of the best to ever do it. And he's just only in a couple scenes of this movie. And every time he's Does he in play there, I the just father? like, what? He, <laughs> he plays father. the grandfather. Uh, you want to know who plays the father? It's daddy Jeremy Strong in this movie. That's yeah. right. Um, yeah. yeah. Jeremy Strong, who uh absolutely owns it as this father as a very specific dad who's like very like buttoned up proper i'm not going to raise my voice over a certain level except when she snaps and you're like oh my god i want to like <laughs> fucking recoil in my seat seeing jeremy strong busting out his belt right now um yeah. he's amazing and hathaway uh who plays the mom is incredible like it's really really another one of my favorite casts of the entire year. And I want to shout out Jalen Webb who plays Paul's friend. Um, I'd never seen this kid before in anything and he's incredible. Like it truly is one of those performances that like I, as great as Bank Trapetta is, I know he's kind of being taken like he's been in some other movies before he's kind of more of a well-known child actor at this point i've never seen this kid jalen webb before and he i i can't wait to see anything that this kid does because he he's got it like he's got the juice oh yeah i'm excited to see this um it's, it's I'm, definitely I'm, on my on my list i will say as far as like award stuff i don't think this movie is gonna get any awards love um james gray movies don't get uh academy love unfortunately uh and also it's a crowded field right now for uh white jewish american men <laughs> telling stories yeah. about their their journey to love art and to learn about themselves um I don't want to necessarily, I don't know if it's a spoiler at this point. I won't, I won't say it for this conversation, but there is a prominent political figure uh, in the 2020s yeah. who is in this movie. I have heard um, about this. Yeah. Drew, do and, you know about this? No. He, you heard about this? I'll just <laughs> say it, it's in the trailers. It's, uh, Jay Leno's in this movie. Uh, burn marks and all. Um, shout out to Jay. How, oh wishing the speedy recovery. Um, uh, the Trump family is in this movie. Yeah. Um, so if it wasn't obvious that this is kind of a metaphor of history repeating itself, it's really right there on its shoulder. And I've seen some criticisms of just like, oh, it's too on the nose. Oh, we didn't need that to like literally have the Trump family be key donors in this private school. But also like, you know, sometimes people need to be like beaten over the head and see like, hey. I mean, it, history it, it, is repeating itself. I, I would guess that there's a good chance that that's true. 
No, it is. It is yeah. literally true. It's Trump's uh, daddy uh, was a donor Fred. at the school in in Queens, or maybe it was in the in what well, I can't remember. For but yeah, sake. no, great movie. Um, I don't know. New York is just all the same to me. Is that is Rochester there? Um, Albany, Buffalo. Uh, thought, yeah, those were the no, five Armageddon boroughs. Time, right? Long yeah, Island. Ar- <laughs> Long Island. <laughs> Um, the cat skills, <laughs> the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Statue of Liberty. Yeah. My my favorite borough is Lake Placid. <laughs> the Staten Island Ferry. Um. Uh, all right. So that's Armageddon time. Check it out. It's yeah. Also, um, now on premium video on demand. Uh, these movies, they're they're all just getting shuffled out of theaters so quick. And they're just um, barely on there. Is it a Warner Brothers movie? Armageddon? No, it's it's no. Focus. It's Focus. Never yeah. mind. For some reason, I thought that it was going to be HBO Max. Maybe it will eventually because some Focus stuff filters over there, but it's Universal. Well, the, so the if Northman, anything, it might go to... The Northman was on Peacock. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that it might end up on Peacock yeah, eventually. Or Prime. The Northman's on Peacock and Prime, and that's Focus. So, yeah. um, All right. This one's going to be brief because I don't want to say too much about this movie. And I know Drew really wants to see it. And we're going to have to talk about it a lot when it comes out. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. The new Ryan Johnson whodunit. Get ready, y'all. This movie is fucking awesome. It's Mm -hmm. so good. It's so so it's, it's better it's better than the first one it's it's like i think i've thought on it a bit and i think it's like almost better in every way than the so. first time's up a movie that i fucking loved and especially revisiting that movie i'm like oh i like this movie even more revisiting I think it so yeah i think there's I there's, like a couple, there's a couple of things that i would put that i would tick on, on the originals column i think the look of the original is better i think that uh, there's kind of like a classic Nancy Drew kind of the the very like classic spooky whodunit house and everything. Yeah, there's just something about the texture of the original movie how they they shot it. He has the same cinematographer here, Steve Yedlin, but I have a feeling that because this is Netflix, they they're I don't know I don't know who to who to blame, but there's just a couple of shots that are just like a little bit too digital you know kind of uh kind of i can tell that there's like that they're on a sound stage or you know in, in front of some type of virtual background that's the only the only thing that i would say that the first that is that's on a netflixy thing yeah i think um, the most the most netflix looking thing of all time is that series of unfortunate events show that they did oh my god i watched that, every episode of that that show looked repulsive. That shit like, looked, it looked like it was like shot at a local theater, like yeah. on a stage. Like it did not look like something that had a serious and budget was shot. It was just, on. it was just gray. Right. Right. It, 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 everything about that was fake. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's so Netflix. So this, this movie is not nearly as egregious in that regard, but there were just a couple of shots that I was like, Oh, Ryan, Ryan, what, what's going on here? Um, But other than that, like, everything else about this it's funnier the script is more ambitious and intricate and just manages to kind of juggle even more things and spin even more plates in the air 
just the the way the the story is structured and the way the mystery is laid out cuz i mean if 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 folks have seen the original knives out you know that ryan johnson has kind of like in, in a way spearheaded the the new rise of of uh the modern uh who done it murder mystery like we have white lotus now there's like a bunch of other kind of copycats um and i think the knives out maybe not the first one but the best one in recent years and the way he did it in that movie it felt really fresh and creative and unique and it, it wasn't just like your stock uh kind of murder mystery he found a new way to tell a story that's been told a bunch of of times before and to follow that up in a in a sequel to to kind of make it feel like he he has to do it again he finds a way to do it again man and he finds a way to make it fresh again and it i was just so on board with this movie it, i had such a blast um our screening loved it it was i mean it was all critics so we were already on the the ryan johnson bandwagon for sure um but yeah definitely seek this movie out it's in a very limited theatrical run netflix is is putting it out uh in theaters right now um so go catch it if you can real quick before they take it down i don't know why it's such a brief run um but at least they're giving it some type of theatrical run but when it does come out on Netflix, so why i so i guess it's because they're they're bleeding subscribers so hard that they need something to draw people back because if this was like peak Netflix days, like let's say this was five years ago, they would have no reason not to just let this run out in theaters because it. if this were in theaters, it would make 100 plus million. But they've never done that. They've never. Yeah. This is like the first time that they've even tried I think, it. Well, because it's a combination of they are bleeding subscribers and also Netflix isn't the only big corporation to just give filmmakers carte blanche to do whatever they want anymore apple's like hey come here you can make your passion project we'll give you all this money and also we'll release it in theaters so i think that netflix does kind of want to give some of its bigger filmmakers some of that room to grow for ryan johnson it was in his contract whenever he signed to make knives out two and three for them that it was going to be in theaters at least in some kind of a run i think it's coming out so it's coming out this week uh thanksgiving week yeah and i think uh, it's saying the in theaters for out, it'll, it'll be out i think it's in theaters for for like a week or two now and then isn't it coming out again at christmas or am i oh, wrong it's out on netflix it's just, it's just coming out, out. it's not getting re-released in theaters no at christmas. it's out on netflix december 23rd so, so be, I, it was just a such a bummer, one. man. This is going to be, it's such a great theater movie though. Oh. Like the first knives out was an incredible make, theater movie. Make and a I, day of it. People like get the, I can't wait together. to see this movie again in theaters. Cause it's, this is not one to just throw on while you're doing the dishes and, and you're pacing back and forth. Like, although I do think that it will and watch this one. It's one of those movies though, that I think that you could get a lot out of it if you were watching it while doing something else and not necessarily like attuned all the way, cause it is broad in some of what it's trying to tell, but also, yeah, but also the every mystery single detail is so thought out in the most meticulous the way where oh. when you are, it's, it's my, it's like the most, uh, the most intricate script that I've ever seen that actually works where they reached a point about like, 
an hour and a half ish into this movie. This is a pretty long movie. It's like two ten or so. It's longer than the original. Where around like the hour twenty, hour and a half mark, I was like, "There's a lot. There's a lot right. of balls in the air. There's a lot of stuff here. Yeah. I don't know if everything's gonna come together." And then it's like every single loose end is tied up in a perfect way. Where you're Incredible. like, "I what? I was how trying. Did, how did you? Do, I was trying how to did poke you holes in it. Up? I was trying to think like, well." It's, Maybe that doesn't quite line up. And then I was like, no, it, you can find you can find a connection for everything. I feel everything. like I feel like doing the outline, Ryan Johnson had to just be like fucking Charlie Day on the corkboard, just like putting lines to everything, planning every single item out, every detail of blocking and when a certain character is going to walk to a place and then turn around. Like it's everything so meticulously yeah. thought out. And that's one of the things that just makes this easily one of the best movies of the year like this is a lock for the top 10 lock for the top five for me right now yeah thank lock for the top five yeah i two two main thoughts walking out of the theater was one we're so lucky that we're living in the time of ryan johnson making movies because he's young he's gonna be making movies for a long time it's not like a james cameron situation where it's like oh my god he's only gonna make avatar for the rest of his career like that's all we got now like he's gonna make the third knives out and then you know he's not he's out of disney like there's no way he's gonna go make a marvel movie now because he made his star wars movie and it was possibly the best star wars movie but people hated it so he's like cool fuck you guys i'm just gonna go make original ip now we're so lucky to get this man dude like bangers like we, we are blessed we are blessed and the other thought, Daniel Craig, we are blessed. Man. Holy shit, Daniel Craig is he's hilarious and he's like sexy and he can balance like being this like almost like this buffoon, this like bumbling <laughs> buffoon and then like this suave like genius at the same time. Oh, it's a very old school God. It it's written in a very like fifties movie character way. Yeah, there were you know there were so many like, uh, like quasi funny like hot guy leads back then. Yes, he he's pulling mm-hmm. it off as well as anyone like ever has at least in the first one. Like he rules so hard. I will Dude, say he's, he's even better. I think he's even better in this. He's he's fucking phenomenal. <laughs> I've been so I've been good. making like a uh, an excel sheet of just like my picks for like my favorite acting performance actress screenplay movie, yeah, or all this kind of stuff to like just it's like an insane list right now and I think Daniel Keg might give my favorite male performance of the year. Like it's just I know after walking out this movie I was like can we how do we get him enter well, no, I'm like, how can we put Benoit Blanc in every movie? Oh, <laughs> like I want Benoit Blanc to be in the new Marvel movie. I want to put him in Mank. I want to yeah. put Benoit Blanc in Tar. I want to put Benoit Blanc in Jaws. Let's like digitally animate him back now. I want to put Benoit Blanc in everything just to comment on the situations around him. He he would have solved Chinatown. Yeah, he would have. <laughs> he would have. He, he would never forget it. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's uh, let's let's get uh let's get him in Top Gun. Let's do it. Come let's on, are you okay? Are you telling me that Benoit Blanc couldn't be like Tom Cruise's like 
instructor who's just like telling him like that he's crossed the line one too many times yeah. like just put that guy in fucking anything man he can do no wrong yeah da- it's, daniel craig it's so fu- i cannot understate like how funny this movie is like it's right it is hilarious and it's he's so a big good. part of it he's he yeah. just owns it he's hilarious yeah he's in he's in my ballot right now he did bump out jake gyllenhaal in ambulance unfortunately um so we gotta pour one out for jake um no is that yeah. is that for supporting do you have a do you have him in supporting actor i had him in lead had, is he not lead jake, you had a jake as a lead actor jake, I, know, I thought jake is a is jake a lead in ambulance the, he is the ambulance he is the la in ambulance i kind of thought of him as like a strong supporting the lead in that movie is the is michael bay yeah <laughs> that's, that's the thing is that like i think of michael bay when i think of that movie. yeah yeah and then the acting comes second um so yeah glass onion uh get ready it's it's another banger i i really hope this movie hits hard because it's they paid a lot for it you know i we talked about this way back when when this deal was made but this was a big big bidding war that netflix mm-hmm. won uh for this and the the third one so i hope it pays off it, it, i think it's paid off in terms of quality We'll see, you know, what else they can get in terms of like attention and awards, but it's it's a home run. I will it's, say, yeah, as regardless, far as it's a... gonna it's gonna satisfy people with Netflix, mm-hmm. which is more than most uh, Netflix properties can say. <laughs> right? This will definitely. I'm gonna go ahead and lock it in right now that Netflix is gonna say like. Uh, 62 million people put on the first three seconds because it auto played for them, which sure. is a new record that they'll, they'll definitely come up with that for this movie, whether that's true or not. Um, I can't wait to see it. Uh, did you want to stay on the Netflix train here? Um, I can briefly touch on, uh, white noise because I think that it, it's interesting to think of these two movies together. Cause I think that coming out of this, Netflix probably thought that White Noise and Bardo, a movie that neither of us have seen yet, were going to be their big Oscar plays. And those movies have been received, have received a little bit more of a mixed reaction, mixed to bad in the case of Bardo for a lot of uh, reviews. Yeah, to Um, the point of having to recut the movie after its festival premiere. (laughs) Yeah, That's which insane. yikes! Uh, that doesn't happen for a two-time best director winner to have to recut That's thirty tough. minutes yeah. out of your movie. Uh, turns out nobody wants to know about like your anxiety attacks about maybe you're not good filmmaker, uh, Alejandro. Jesus, whoops, um, Bardo. But I do think that Glass Onion is gonna be uh, a best picture nominee like i'm willing to go ahead and plant that flag now that i think that glass onion could be in contention Netflix i think that gets it in there well i think that that could be the thing that as the dust settles a little bit netflix throws their weight behind glass onion because they're like shit people didn't really clamor to bardo or white noise we gotta throw our weight behind something to add to market pinocchio people. We it's we Pino- got our we got our our, our <laughs> FYC boxes today. Yeah, it's Netflix it's Pinocchio is pushing Pinocchio. And, man, if there's a box that gets delivered to some people in uh, the beginning of Glass Onion, and I hope that Netflix sends us that box oh, in honor I of Glass cream. Onion. Um, oh my god, what if it's a puzzle, dude? I that's what I'm oh saying. You can send me a puzzle box. Holy um, shit, <laughs> I don't want to go into details for Drew. Yeah, shut the fuck up. What happens? Uh, so. White noise. Um, 
it is just I'm gonna touch briefly on this movie because to be honest, I still I saw this movie last week and I still don't really have a firm grasp on it. Um, it's the new is, Noah Baumbach. Yeah, it's Noah Baumbach. It's uh, adapted screenplay, which he hasn't done in a long time, uh, based on Dom DeLillo's kind of unfilmable novel. Uh, which have you guys ever read this book or do Hell you know no. anything about this book? No, I know. I mean, I know that DeLillo is sort of a seminal like Gen X uh, author about, you know, the, the ennui of like existing for no reason. Yeah. So, yes. So there's some of that. I uh, I started this. I didn't finish it in time. It's you know, it's one of those books that I've picked up and read 175 pages of and then put down and forgot about. Um it's a very ethereal and meandering book to the point where it kind of you are reading it and just like, all right, where are the ideas to make a movie in here? It's got a little bit of that. Like it, it it's, it's very much just from the perspective of uh, the main actor, uh, Jack Gladney played by Adam driver, uh, where it's just kind of his thoughts, seeing his family around him. And it's a story about, kind of existential crisis and i don't really want to get into the plot specifics one because i don't want to spoil this movie for people who are interested and two because this isn't really a plot plotty movie the plot doesn't really matter there's like some key events that happen but it's funny this movie is advertised as an apocalyptic black comedy and there's an event that you think is going to lead to like a oh we're getting into like an apocalypse movie now like there's a a major event that's happening here really Noah Bombeck is going to flex that 80 million dollar budget that Netflix gave him and it's just kind of not that it's like a little bit of a movie about like anxiety around death <laughs> and just kind of general anxiety around things that are happening. Yeah, it's a Noah Baumbach movie. <laughs> exactly. I don't know what people are <laughs> expecting with that. Um, but the way that this movie kind of flows in and out of tone is one of the more interesting things that I've seen in movies in a really long time. Where there's parts where you think it's taking itself very seriously. And then suddenly it's kind of like played in such a anti-humor for laughs way that you're like, am I, am I allowed to laugh at this? Is this a joke that's being played in front of me right now? Like it's so wild, especially the third act of this movie is something that afterwards I went to this, uh, the screener, there's only like three other people there. One of the guys was just like, I have no thoughts. Um, I need to think on this one. Or he was like, I have no comments for you. I just need to think on this one. And just walked away. Just like left immediately. And I talked to with the other no two comments. people. I have no comments for you. N-A. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. All right. Um, and uh, I just was sitting there like talking with uh, the other two people who sat through the movie with me. And we were kind of just going back and forth about like, what is this movie even trying to say? What is Bombac trying to get at here? I, it after seeing the end of this movie, I now want to go back and rewatch the whole movie to think like, is this a farce? Like what I'm seeing is there some deeper elements under the surface here that maybe don't work in certain ways. So I don't know. I'm I'm really interested to rewatch this movie. 
Overall, I, I recommend it very, very cautiously. I recommend it. I like I I recommend it to you too. Let me mm-hmm. <laughs> clarify. Well, you're a big um, you're a big bomb back head, right? You've seen I'm like a huge bomb yeah, back head. You've seen like I've, all of them, right? So you know if, Yeah, there's only a couple of blind spots in his filmography. And if but I will aren't say aren't bomb back heads, like do you think that they're still a way in? So I don't know because it's I think that I was predisposed to like this movie because of how much I love Noah Baumbach, but this is also so wholly different from anything else that Noah Baumbach has ever done because right. this isn't an this isn't an original story. This isn't him making like his version of um whatever, like another divorce story. That's kind of Noah Baumbach's like MO is he's just taken over as divorce guy, uh, who's just the best at writing those kind of family drama dynamics. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of fa- like, there is still family drama dynamics in this story that you can tell that's one of the things that he's drawn to, but there is kind of an existentialism to this book and to this film that he's trying to touch on here. So I would recommend it only to certain people if you kind of know what you're getting into with this movie. Just know that this movie is not it's 80 million dollars and it's not going to like big explosions or anything like that. My biggest my biggest takeaway from this movie and I messaged it to you guys in the group chapter seeing this is I think that there's one scene in particular that made me think this halfway through the movie. I think that Adam Driver has the belt right now as the greatest actor alive. Wow. I I was I've thought about this a lot before. If you like think about acting as like almost like uh, uh this is, sounds like a fucking Bill Simmons point, but like a who has the belt right now as the greatest actor alive. Um we have no we like, have if, no actors now. All, if, all actors are dead. All actors are dead. We got it Hollywood is drunk. We have to import them. <laughs> we <laughs> gotta reboot. We, gotta we have to import all of our Hollywoods from Wales now. Um, <laughs> we, but I think that Adam Driver is truly like he is has the ability to do literally anything. Like we've seen him do the big budget Star Wars. We've seen him do very quiet movies. We've seen him kind of take on the Kramer versus Kramer role and Marriage Story. Like he can do anything in this. And he's so in his bag, especially I just want him to continue. We talked about it with um, Ryan Johnson, but I feel like uh, since Noah Baumbach or since uh, Adam Driver has done the Star Wars thing, he doesn't have to worry about doing another big, stupid superhero thing ever, or at least for a long time. So he can continue to make movies like this. And it's for those reasons that I just I think he's the greatest actor alive. I just, no matter what, anything that he's in, I've never watched Adam Driver and been disappointed by him. Right. Do you it's think of any time that you've ever watched Adam Driver and you've been like, ah, I really wish that Noah Centineo had this part. Ew. <laughs> I, I'm always saying this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your beloved uh, Black Adam definitely had him very prominent. There's um, also a, a a guy. I might also be biased because there's a a really good TikTok uh, going around of there's a guy who's like a, a an actor, like an improv actor in Hollywood, and his whole thing is that he can say fuck just like Adam Driver. He's just like fuck. <laughs> it's it's like perfect. Like the way that Adam Driver says fuck, it's really well done. Well, that's white noise. Um, it I think it it is also in very limited theatrical release right now. Um, but it will be on Netflix on December 30th. 
Um, so I'm sure that this one will sort of struggle to find its audience. Um, but I feel like once it does, people are probably going to be riding hard for what sounds like a really strange movie. Um, so how are we, how are we, how are we on time right now, Ernie? We're, we're running a, a bit long here, so we might okay. want to speed. Let through. me, let me just real quick. Cause there's one movie that we have seen together that we just saw last night that I want to touch on. But before we get to that, I want to take you guys real quick to the church of tar. Um, I'm I've so mad I haven't seen Tar. I it left theaters. It 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 like it's listen. The work of Lydia. It. Listen the the work of Lydia Tar. It just kind of can't be handled by mass audiences right now. And I think that that is that's gonna almost hold it back a little bit. Is that Lydia Tar? It's like it's like looking looking Jesus Christ in the face whenever you <laughs> see Lydia Tar perform on stage. And I think for those reasons that they had to take her out of theater. She was too powerful in theaters. This is Kate Blanchett uh, in what seems to be sort of like a powerhouse, just acting bravura performance. Yeah. Um, I might want to do a full episode on Tar because there's so many goddamn ideas in this movie that I don't even want to get too deep into them with you. Uh, it's... This is another movie that's easily in the best year, best movie of the year conversation. It's right there with Glass Onion, Nope, Everything Everywhere, Top Gun Maverick. Like, I think that it is kind of up in that upper echelon. It's a movie that has so much to say about the culture that we're living in around us, people who kind of surround themselves with art and become obsessed with uh, creating art and criticism um, has a lot to say about critics, uh, which felt a little <laughs> bit targeted there. Um, so much to say about kind of what it is to be a woman, but not in like a, what it is to be a woman in an objectified way, but what it is to be a woman in a way that you are in a position of power which is something that is so interesting and not something that is typically ever depicted in films. Um, yeah, it's, it's fucking excellent. Uh, Kate Blanchett's winning best actress right now. Like, go ahead. I'm sorry, oh. Michelle. Yo, I love you to death. Kate Blanchett's winning best actress. Like I I'm willing to take that to the bank right now. Wow. Oh, wow. She's unfucking believable. It reached a point where I was like halfway through tar. I was like, is this a real person? Like, did I like black out? Is Lydia Tar like a real composer, a modern composer that I just haven't heard of before? Because it's something that's so well lived in that you're like, well, this has to be based on a real person. There's no way that this character just was created from whole cloth. That doesn't exist anymore. And it's man, so well done. There's a scene in this movie uh, where Lydia Tar is taking over as a guest teacher at a university, uh, teaching like composing students i think it's a juilliard uh and it might be the scene of the year it's like an extended oneer that is like has so much to say about art and uh the like worse versions of like the woke culture of like we have to cancel beethoven because he like slept with other women aside from his wife and like shit like that of like it has so many different ideas in there that it, it's amazing i cannot wait for you guys to watch tar just so we can talk about it more extensively gotta, gotta join the tarmy join the tarmy i'm my name is now huntar yeah. by the way i changed it legally 
Yeah, it's a tar And cast. it's capital T A apostrophe capital R. Yeah, yeah, gotta sure gotta have that, right. that till it's a till day. A till day. Um hey, all right, Brian. well we are running long as always, so we gotta what? wrap it up. But before I don't think we we've do, ever done that before. Before we do, we have to talk about our granddaddy, Mr. Steven Spielberg. His new movie, The Fablements, is now out in theaters. We got a chance to see it last night. Um, boy, oh boy, the old man still got it. I I just want to get I want to get a shirt that says that you know with just Spielberg's face on it, just smiling, just looking just at says, you. Boy, oh boy, the old man still got it. Yeah. Um, I I just adored this movie. I mean, yeah. They, you know, if we were to do like a top five Steven Spielberg movies, there's just like this lock of greatest of all time 10 out of 10 masterpieces you know you've got et close encounters jurassic park raiders jaws it starts to get interesting if you kind of rule those out and you look at like 21st century spielberg that's Mm -hmm. when like there's more of a conversation to be had um that's not just the boring like unanimous picks right and i think you know you have this like first half of of the millennium where you had things like minority report and catch me if you can ai um uh, where it started out really strong and then it it just really dips off right and you started to get things like warhorse and um hey BFG, hey justice for warhorse the terminal justice for bfg uh warhorse is like a, a 30 rock movie yeah, the, what if there was a war horse? Listen, uh, I've heard that that's a very good horse actor. Sure, and it's in an animatronic, I think. Uh, yeah, uh, there was the Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So it's like things started to look a little bit, a little bit rough there, guys. I revisited the Terminal recently, <laughs> and Why? I was so sad to see how bad that movie is. <laughs> Because that's just like a classic grandma movie, you know, where it's just my like, grandma it, loved that yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's just like, I just movie. had like this warm feeling of like Tom Hanks living in a terminal. And then I rewatched it. I was like, oh, Christ. That I think that might be Spielberg's worst movie, like just straight up. I, wow. I, wow. So, oh, man. It, it, it seemed like it seemed like the old man, like, was just an old man. And then you started to like see this this twinkle come back with things like Bridge of Spies and uh, Munich. From what I've heard, is is part of that too, which I have yet to see. I that's always been on my my watch list. Um, and now it it's between between uh, West Side Story and The Fablemans and Ready Player One and Ready Player One. Yes, sorry, sorry, sorry. masterpiece Ready Player One. Oh, Thank you. Sorry. Uh, it's counting weird that you, one, it's, then we also have to count the post. That's the, the post. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it's to. it's not just to, just fair. To make you mad. I thought it was weird that whenever you mentioned the top five, ten out of ten greatest films of all, of all time, that you didn't mention Ready Player One in there. Well, that's just so, a given, you know. Okay, cool. It's like number zero, right? It's, it's not a, number yeah. one. It's not a film. It's an experience. Yeah, it's like gamers, higher than any integer can ever possibly measure. Gamers rise up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. It, it seems like I don't, and you know, Lincoln. I think Lincoln's in there too. I think Lincoln is is part mm-hmm. of that 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 comeback. That 
he has found this new gear that I don't think people really expected him to have. And, and now it's like, you know, the Fablements is in a lot of ways is could be seen as like this victory lap of like, okay, let me tell my, the story of my childhood and sort of cap things off here. But it seems like it's this promise of like this new level of quality and, and expertise that, that I think people assumed he just didn't have anymore. This juice that, that was spent. That seems like there's like, there's like way more gas in the tank now. And this movie, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to, um, you know, sort of blow everyone away, uh, at least in the film community, as much as some of the other movies that that we've mentioned on this podcast. But when it comes to like mainstream audiences, when it comes to like maybe the members of the Academy or, or I don't know, just like when you're going after like the broadest possible audience, like I feel like this is just going to be a really crowd pleasing movie. He does everything so well here he's able to to infuse this movie with so much heart and so much soul and you get that spielberg magic but you also get this like really tender and melancholy story about uh growing up and about uh this mother you know his mom he's trying to understand his mother as a person and it's it's a special movie. It's a really, really special movie. And it's not as simple as let's just play the hits of how Spielberg became Spielberg or show you like this generic version of why movies are important and how, you know, uh, I love movies, the movie, you know, it's it's something so much more humanistic um, and it just gets into these ideas of like what makes our hearts be like what makes our souls be um you know Heavy. what it, it, it's nice it's it's it, tender it's it's like a really warm movie it's i the, really really loved it the thing is is that and i think the thing that makes it it separates it from even a movie like armageddon time which is a movie that i love is that at the end of the day this isn't afraid to be like a fun entertaining movie like this is a movie that is really funny at parts it's deeply entertaining throughout the entire time this isn't just looking back at everything with rose colored glasses this isn't fucking belfast okay this isn't just like man my life was a little bit crazy let me tell you <laughs> something about it this is at the end of the day it's a movie you of course like we're watching this knowing that Steven Spielberg telling a story about his life, but like Sammy Fableman feels like a real character. He feels lived in. He feels like he is actually experiencing things that are happening around him, whether that's his parents' divorce or experiencing anti-Semitism. Like these are things that Steven definitely went through in his own life, but the way that it is portrayed with this character is so well done. I want to talk. I, I, I have so many thoughts that are like in spoiler territory that I don't want to actually get into for this movie. Um, Judd Hirsch plays a pivotal oh, role in this uncle. movie, like kind of a, in a scene that resets everything that we like Steven Spielberg or Sammy Fableman's like mindset on like how to think about family and art and this Such a good dichotomy that you have here. There's one <laughs> 
shot that might be my favorite shot from anything in the entire movie. It's in the third act. It's during like an emotionally climactic scene and it's uh, Sammy kind of looking at a situation that's happening in a third party view as if he were directing a sequence and the thing that like kind of made me like grip my seat a little bit where it's him kind of coming to grips of like how would I shoot these things around me I'm not looking at things that are happening in my life as a human being anymore I'm looking at them for like fodder to make art and he's not like a really kind of insane way like it's it sounds sociopathic and it kind of is (laughs) but like in in a way that is also childlike in the way that like you know you don't fully have like empathy developed whenever you're like a kid of a certain age and so you're like you get these things around you and you're so self-focused on what your interests are and what your passions are especially when they're like you're so young and it's just like you are really into this one thing and you kind of feel like sick to your stomach about like how invested you are in this one thing but I should be, I, I do want to make it clear. This is not a movie that's just about filmmaking. This is kind of a coming of age story at its core. Yeah. There's just his passion and his kind of escape is right. through. But fil- filmmaking. filmmaking is, is this, it is this coping mechanism for him. You know, he is yes. it, going coping back to what you were just, great way to, say it. to what you were just saying is like, he is um, a lot of times not really living his life, but mostly just observing it like a camera like like he is this this camera that's filming his own life and and capturing these moments and and you know preserving them in film is this way to sort of feel like he has a handle on his life and like he can control the aspects of his life that are out of control um so there there's a lot of depth here and there's a lot of ways in which he recontextualizes the role that film uh, and making movies had on his life. And it's not as simple as like, I grow up and make movie because I love movie. You know, it's it's much more complicated and human. Um, and we should say Michelle Williams is just kind of glowing in this movie. She, yeah, it's it's a very interesting performance because, you know, I love Michelle Williams. I think she's always amazing. Um, I think that a lot of people have said that it's category fraud that she's running in lead and not supporting, but she is in a ton of this movie. And so I think, I think she is um, totally fine running in lead. And the character is the character I think is a little bit like she's playing it really big. And I think it's supposed to be big because mm. I think that in a way, Spielberg is trying to give his mom this this light of like this old Hollywood sort of starlet but it, she he doesn't want to like flatten her into a movie character he still wants to see her as a real person so there's this dichotomy of like okay how do I how do I give my my mom this like gift of like making her the star of my movie and giving her that glowing light but also like really explore how she must have felt like in these moments in her life, not as a mother, but as a person. And I think that they managed to really, really nail that. Um, I think your mileage may vary. You know, we were chatting outside the theater and I think some people kind of disagreed on that front, 
a little bit just because she is disagreed on what front on just how big she's going so big yeah uh, specifically on michelle williams uh friend of the pod adam was not as high on her performance but Ernest, i think that the way you just said that is perfectly articulated and it really comes across especially in the third act because there's again without getting into spoilers um sammy is making his own films throughout the movie and in the third act uh like right towards the end of the movie he makes a, another little short film and depicts a character in the movie who kind of takes on the role of a lead of like a pseudo lead yeah. of this film and after he premieres the this movie he's like look the camera just kind of captures what it does like i I'm just here to like point a camera and just follow where it leads me. And it almost is like deliver in this way of like sadness. Like he's like, I'm like cursed to just only shoot the most beautiful things you've ever seen in your entire life. But like, it is a thing that Spielberg kind of distilled down the magic that he's able to capture where it's just, sometimes you don't know where these stars are coming from. Sometimes you just get a guy like Harrison Ford and you put, put him in front of a screen and you're like, Oh, Oh shit. Okay. We're with this guy now. Like, yeah, like he's just able to kind of capture that star making quality to make somebody look larger than life, make them look like a superhero without the cape or anything. Like it's, that's the thing that always has made Spielberg so, so special as a filmmaker. It's magical. And it captures that magic down in such, such a beautiful way. Yeah. Also, uh, I also want to say that, and all the other uh the cast outside yeah. Michelle Williams. Paul Dano, the, Seth Rogen. Seth um, Rogen's incredible in this movie. Yeah. He's so so good. He's yeah. like very, very toned different. down. Very different yeah, Rogan. Yeah. He's not like funny guy. He's like funny and like a dad joke kind the of little, way as the little the best boy. Friend. The little boy, Sammy, at the very beginning of the movie. Like it's it, Spielberg. Cute he, little he just, kid. Spielberg is so good at like casting unknown talent like obviously he has movie stars in here you know michelle williams paul dano like all these people that are amazing um but then there's the unknown talent here and my god it's just dude it's so good it's so magical Um, gabriel labelle i think is deserving of a nomination he's really good sammy fableman yeah who's the lead like he just becomes Spielberg. Yeah, they, make like, him look, like, they make him look just I, like he him. He looks at the like end. a he looks like a teenage Spielberg. It's like so, it's insane what they did. It's so but crazy it's, that it's final not, scene. Yeah. It's not like a form of it's not like an impersonation kind of a thing. I don't think that they should give him a nomination because he was like good at capturing the mannerisms of young Spielberg. Like he is a fully realized yeah. character yeah you can watch just... this movie without knowing that it's spielberg's life like it's designed mm-hmm. to be to for you to go into it and just watch it as a movie that it works that way too yeah um it's it's just it's just really well done the whole time i'm watching this movie you just see him young sammy like making videos with his siblings and with his friends and but that's not like a big chunk of the movie it's more of like in these little vignettes and uh montages and it just creates a warm feeling inside it just made me have like flashbacks to being a kid and just making yeah. making little movies and it's it it was just great it it's just re- filled really nice it's just a warm blanket man i can't yeah. wait to watch this movie again like it does I, get I sad just, I really too though loved it 
you know, yeah. it is, it is the story of, of a divorce at the end of the day. And, and, you know, if you know Spielberg's life it's, and you know, you know, the things yeah. that inspired movies like E.T. and Close Encounters. Yeah. I was going to say, we should say he, he's has a penchant for inserting his life into all of his movies. Um, also catch me if you can for his young life. Yes, mm-hmm. yes exactly. Yep. So he's always, he's always sprinkled it in, but this is the first time where it's just like, all right, we're just going to do it. We're just going to tell what actually happened. Yeah, um, but and tell it in a way that it is not going to like he has so much love and admiration for his parents. And I think that some people have that have had criticisms towards it almost it's, don't really it's, get it's, what he's going for with the parents because there are there is no bad guy. Like right. it's they both parents just kind it's of not an explosive like man and woman can just kind of grow apart from each other because they want different things in life. And Spielberg, is well, very, especially like, in those cool. days. In in those days when you just like married your high school sweetheart, you know, you're like, I'm 19 and horny. So right. Let's get married when you're a baby boomer and you're going to like go off to war. That's just what you do. Um, yeah, no, I I think that one of the other things that works really well, this movie is that Spielberg is kind of you can see the elements from both his mom and his dad in his filmmaking. His dad has this like intellectual like son i want you to be an engineer there's one scene and it's just one specific of the movie that i'll give out that whenever he's making one of his films uh he's like shooting like a war film or something like that or a cowboy's kind of story like that and he wants to make it so whenever they shoot the gun it like pops like a like a yeah and like an actual gun he has a scientific uh solution to that problem he he takes pins and pokes holes in the film so it like flashes on the screen like almost like they're shooting a flash and his son his dad's like how did you think to do that like that was such like a creative thing to think of and you can see this kind of thing of working like all right what do i have around me what can i use to the fullest to make this as realistic as possible which is just a trait that he's taken into his professional life and making some of the most creative and iconic set pieces that we've ever seen but also his mother is this classical piano teacher she's a dancer she has that full art background so it's this melding of two people two professionals of from completely different walks of life that actually made this work out so well also shout out to julia butters while we're talking about cast uh, who plays the oldest of the sisters glasses girl i didn't catch that that's yeah julia butters yeah from uh, once she's, upon a she's time. got a couple great scenes in this movie yeah yeah I, I don't think the movie's perfect i i could definitely see some holes being po- poked in and i do think that something like that that sister character there's there's a moment with her that's like this like emotional moment and i would have loved to have been more set up for that to have more kind of context with the with the sister to care more about her um it's it, it's a long uh, movie it's like two and a half hours and they're cramming a lot of story into it and i would have loved to have seen like you know the the mini series version of this you know give give uh steve the old hbo max treatment but i am glad that we get it in in this way on on the big screen um i i, I think people are going to have some some nits to pick but at the end of the, of the day i think it is another just incredible incredible movie for mr spielberg it's out in theaters right now it's the fablements and i think we can wrap it up there um just to to give you a little sneak peek of what other things we 
could get to at a at another episode that we left on the cutting room floor here. Decision to leave all quiet on the Western Front, the menu and fire of love. We did not have time to get to. Um, so might have time for that in the in the coming weeks. Um, there's some TV stuff um that has been sort of floating around too. There's White Lotus, documentary now is back. Atlanta mm-hmm. wrapped up its season. Uh, and I'm going to be chatting with um, Adam about Andor. So that'll be on the feed uh, coming up. We do get the Andor finale tomorrow. I know you boys are so out on Star Wars, but I'm hey, Tony yeah. Gilroy made a Star Wars show and it's fucking great. I know. Um, he he got he squeezed one in. Somebody let him get away with it. I, I don't know how it happened. They weren't looking. Everyone was was too busy with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Tony Gilroy was like, I'm. I'm, I'm gonna go off that, and do my thing. Remember that guy from the, the film Rogue One? I want to make a, I want to make like a prison movie about yeah. him or a prison series yeah. about him. I, I think I, I'll probably eventually get around to, uh, Andor. Who knows? There's really good. I, time is so fleeting. Who's to say if I'll actually get to it? <laughs> the World short. Cup is on now. I don't know. I'm like hey. getting up at five a.m. to watch Argentina lose to Saudi Arabia. So I'm kind of busy. <laughs> Yeah, I've been watching a lot of Shark Tank. Nice. New so, season. So this is like the same thing. No, not a new season. <laughs> just the <laughs> same those. episodes that Pluto TV shows. I'm just like, I've already seen this. So I've seen this one like three times. I'm I'm we're watching straight up on Hulu. That show is fascinating. It's like it's like base level stupid brain, but also like a gigantic statement on America and capitalism. Yeah. yeah. And you can learn, you can pick up on like some sales uh you absolutely you you can just learn how business works in general and how much of it is like vibes based when it should not be (laughs) (laughs) my favorite is whenever it becomes like a pissing contest between two sharks of like they actually start bidding against each other on something that's that it 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 is distilled like power distilled down to like its most raw form it's also by the way guys produced by mark burnett who made survivor like right go yeah yeah, talk hey, about a rich motherfucker. Yeah. Hey, Survivor's heating up. It's oh getting, yes, sir. It's getting real good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, still, I'm a week behind, but I, I, yeah, it's a I'm great still season so for, far for Carla. I still think that she love she's getting that hero edit. Um, I love Carla. Who do we got for for the World Cup? Is it Germany? Um, uh, like who is our? Who's going to be We Bought a Mike's team? Yeah, who are we? Who are we pitching? Our um, fortune. You on? know, I love a good host nation. So Qatar, I really think they could actually pull it mm. home. Um, mm. No, honestly, I it's was really home. big on Argentina <laughs> this year, uh, as just Lionel Messi's last right. dance, actually yeah. pulling it home. And then they did lose. They did give up two straight goals to Saudi Arabia to lose this morning. So. I they're still not out of it. There's their group is pretty weak. So I still think they have a good shot of advancing. And then who knows where they'll go from there. Brazil's the favorite. Uh, yeah, I just um, looked that up just now on Vegas yeah. Insider. You got Brazil and, and then France, which really I mean, mad I at US. US fucking blew it yesterday. Absolutely just just blew it against Wales. I, I really need to, to pick up that. I dub. hate to tell you that the US always sucks at fucking football. Well, of course they do. Of course, but I'm, <laughs> I'm a fucking. Win. I'm an American. This is once every four years I get patriotic, and that's it. Hey, man. Um, I, yeah. Did Colombia even qualify? No, Colombia no. did not qualify, Ernie. You can, you can, 
stop looking right now. Ecuador <laughs> took their spot and knocked them out last minute. Oh, uh, all right. Well, sorry, Hamas. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for listening and watching. Please be sure to rate, review, subscribe, like, and comment. Thank you, beautiful donors, for donating. Become a donor at anchor.fm slash we bought a mic. And check out all our archives and reviews and articles over on the website as well. Next week, like I said, we got Andor uh, season review coming at you. Um, And then uh, more Robin. Back to Robin with one hour photo and death to Smoochie. And we'll probably catch up on some of these other um, movies that we mentioned here and and give them a little bit more time things like glass onion and uh you know the the big old the big old uh fishes that we still have to catch at the end of the year like avatar the way of water Mm -hmm. babylon new damien chazelle and uh the whale maybe no i think that's it i think avatar avatar and babylon are like the only Um, two big ones you're forgetting the sequel to the the Holy Ghost trilogy. The, the son. Oh my god. Get the fuck out of here with your... we already had the father, now we're gonna have the son. I can't handle your your bullshit anymore, Hunter. This is... <laughs> Listen. I I'm a do good this. I'm a I'm a good Irish Catholic who supports my country. Supports my God in my country. Sure. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I, I drink me some autumn's lager, winter, a winter ale. Oh, we forgot to mention the donkey and Banshees of Inisherin, donkey of the year. Yeah, we're going to talk. Donkey of the year. Best. There's when we time, get to the but... best animal, best animal of the year, that's, she's up there. It's it's gonna, it might be tough Jenny. to beat. Beautiful. Shout out to Jenny. Have Good a happy girl. Thanksgiving holiday. Be safe. Drink safe. And we will see you next time. We love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.